This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next-generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Rubin. Today, I'm joined by Sam Jeske, Senior Fellow here at MP, and Cristobal Alex, Senior Advisor to Joe Biden, former president of Latino Victory, and an alum of the Hillary for America campaign. Cristobal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. We are so excited to have you on here, and you have uh, such an accomplished background. Can you start by giving our audience a bit about uh, how you got your start in politics, your background uh, professionally, and your current role on the Joe Biden campaign? Yes, happy to. Um, well, I'm, I'm the I'm the son of immigrants. Uh, my mom was a migrant farm worker. She came from Zacatecas, Mexico. Uh, I grew up uh, in El Paso, Texas. Um, and uh, you know it's a, it's a uh, uh, an immigrant story like so many of your uh, of your of your listeners have probably experienced. Uh, you know my parents came here for the American dream. They uh, worked very hard so that my brother Richie and I would have the chances uh, and opportunities that, that they never had growing up. Um, and so when I was a, when I was a kid, um, uh, uh, my brother Richie, uh, I remember this uh, distinctly. Uh, we were on the playground. Uh, he was uh, about nine years old. I was seven years old. And I remember these bullies pushing him down to the ground and uh, laughing at him and making fun of him. And my brother uh, is a person with autism. Uh, and for whatever reason, I just froze there and I didn't, I didn't step up and, and stand up for my brother. And it's a feeling that has stuck with me throughout my life, a feeling of shame and embarrassment for not standing up for my brother in a time of need. And I swore at the time I'd never let that happen again. And that's sort of what set me on this path to first be a civil rights attorney, uh, uh, mostly dealing with police misconduct cases, police shooting cases, other civil rights issues uh, out on the West Coast until I had a case uh, in a little town called Mattawa, Washington, where um, uh, federal agents along with uh, local uh, police uh, and state officials raided the homes of a bunch of uh, uh, families of farm workers, uh, um, ostensibly to, to show that they were in the country illegally, uh, which was incorrect, really uprooting these, these, these poor women's lives. So I had a class action with a bunch of these women, about 20 of them, sued the governor, sued uh, uh, the police chief uh, who was racist, the mayor who was racist, and we know this because of emails that we got during the litigation. Long story short, we were able to win that litigation, but the, the best part for me was at the end when we were uh, closing out the case, one of the women in this little tiny town of 2,800 people uh, decided she was she was empowered and decided she was gonna run for office. She became the very first Latina uh, in this little town to, to, to run and, and, and to win and to be elected to the city council. And it, uh, uh, it really set off a light bulb for me that I was working on the wrong side of the equation. Uh, I was working on the redress side uh, instead of dealing with the front end, which is building political power. So that's what set me off to New York to work uh, uh, with George Soros and then the Ford Foundation before launching the Latino Victory Fund, which works to, to build political power. So like we touched on earlier, um, you've been with the Biden campaign for over a year now. 
What was the ride like through the primaries and up to now where he is the presumptive nominee? Yeah, you know, it's been uh, first uh, an honor of a lifetime to, to be able to work uh, with Vice President Biden um, on this on this journey. Um, to, to take it one step back, I, I had worked with him previously in my role uh, at Latino Victory Fund uh, in 2014 when we first launched. He was always in our corner, uh, both as a community, uh, as, as an organization, trying to help elect uh, progressive Latinos up and down the ballot. And we were campaigning uh, with him in 2014, starting in 14, and in places like uh, Nevada and, and California and, and Florida. That continued on. And in 2016, he's always been very committed to the community. And I remember when Donald Trump uh, launched his campaign, uh, first coming down that escalator, uh, the, the beginning of, the, of our nightmare, uh, attacking Latinos, attacking immigrants, and, and Joe Biden came by our office, a surprise visit to say, hey, he stands with the community uh, to keep our head up high and that it was going to get better. And uh, 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 when he won uh, that election, Donald Trump, um, Joe Biden didn't stop standing with us. And um, over a year ago, um, uh, we sat down together and, and, and he asked me to, to, to join his campaign. I was um, eager to do that. Uh, obviously, I had a lot of other uh, good friends running uh, uh, that this cycle, and we, we were blessed to have so many great Democratic candidates. But um, that set us on this on this journey for a very complicated, uh, tumultuous uh, primary. Uh, and and despite all of it, the, the more than twenty uh, candidates that were running, um, all of the uh, all of the stuff that was thrown at him as a candidate, whether it was from uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, potentially foreign interference. Um, all of that, uh, he, he came out on top, and uh, you know, we, we we said at the beginning it was going to be it was going to be tough that we were going to have a hard time in states that weren't very diverse, like Iowa uh, and New Hampshire. We we're going to do better in states that 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 reflected the country. So that's uh, exactly what happened in Nevada, and then obviously in South Carolina. Super Tuesday, uh, really in my mind, was a, a historic uh, victory uh, and, and quite a uh, come from behind, uh, but but not entirely surprising to folks who are watching carefully because what the reason why. Uh, Joe Biden uh, is the nominee and will be the president is because a uh, people want someone to unite the country. They want to get rid of Donald Trump. They want to rebuild the middle class, and and that is exactly Joe Biden. I think that's I think that's right actually. And and as you just mentioned, Joe Biden is strong in a lot of areas. There is this kind of stigma that he's perhaps not the strongest candidate, but that's not true. If if he was not the strongest candidate, he wouldn't be the nominee. Uh, with that said, there's still lots of room for improvement, as we all know, especially among younger voters and younger voters of color specifically, I think. So I know the campaign is working hard uh, to reach out to these groups and build coalitions. But since you're on the inside, perhaps you could tell our audience a little bit more about what that outreach looks like and how you are working to build broad coalitions among the various constituencies in the Democratic Party? You're exactly right. Um, so, so when we saw increased enthusiasm in the primary, in other words, in states where you had record turnout, that enthusiasm uh, went to Joe Biden. He is the enthusiasm candidate. We saw it uh, in Florida with record early vote. We saw it in Arizona with record early vote. Uh, we saw it in Texas uh, where he uh, won there. I come from behind win in Texas. Uh, and across the states uh, where he did well, it was because of this enthusiasm. And the enthusiasm uh, is important to look at because the enthusiasm came from a broad coalition, uh, uh, the Biden coalition. Uh, and that included uh, women and included older voters and included, obviously, at very high numbers, African-American voters. But it also included 
uh, blue collar workers, non-educated uh, folks. Um, um, it even uh, in Florida and, and in Arizona and other states, it really it even included folks that 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 uh, supported very progressive policies, folks that identified themselves as progressive. So that was a very unique coalition. And what happened after Super Tuesday uh, uh, was also very unique is um, uh, how quickly uh, Joe Biden, because of, because of who he is as a, as a leader, able to unite the Democratic Party very quickly, really in record time, I would say, uh, in modern politics to, 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 to consolidate, to, to work with leaders such as you know, Senator Sanders on down, uh, Senator Warren and others. And so I think that's very unique in politics. And, uh, and again, it says a lot about Joe Biden and what we are doing now. Uh, and you're right, there, there is improvement to be made. Um, there's always improvement to be made, but we, 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 we see uh, 2020 shaping up to be um, uh, leaning into uh, voters that, that, that are known as surge voters from, from 2018 and into 2020, uh, African-American voters, Latino voters, women voters, uh, voters uh, in suburban areas, but also to drill down and do better with, with, with communities that, 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 um, that, that are harder to reach sometimes. Uh, and that includes doing better with Latino voters. So we are launching, uh, we, we have in place a, a Latino program, but we are ramping that up. So right now we're in the process of bringing on a lot of stellar senior staff and others. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a, a very sophisticated uh, uh, outreach campaign, including uh, paid programming very soon that will be substantial. Uh, and we'll be reaching out to, to African-American men, uh, uh, and others. Um, and we're also doing a lot of work, uh, uh, on progressive outreach. So, uh, very significant efforts to, to, again, to reach out to folks that may have been supporting other candidates in the primary, including organizations and influencers to make sure that, uh, they know that they have a home here in this campaign and that we're all aligned as we go into November. So speaking of Latino voters, as you just mentioned, um, that voting block, is the fastest growing group in the country right now, and their votes are going to be instrumental to Democratic victories over the next few years in states like Florida, Georgia, Texas, and Arizona. What would a Biden presidency's Latino agenda look like? That's a great question. Um, Let me just first start by uh, underscoring what you just said. Uh, Latinos are poised to be the largest non-white ethnic voting bloc in this country um, in 2020. And that's the first time in history that the, the, the block will, will represent such a large number. Um, uh, and if you look at battleground states, that the, 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 the states that, that are needed to get to the 270 electoral votes, uh, very fast growing uh, populations within those states. And people automatically assume Florida, which is absolutely true. In Florida, Latinos uh, are poised to be difference makers. We call Florida the 1% state for a reason. These Elections oftentimes fall with just with just within one percent, and a few thousand votes can make all the difference. Uh, that's also true in Arizona for the first time ever, uh, in, in, at least in in in, in my time uh, working in politics. Arizona is a true battleground state, and the reason that is is because of Latino voters uh, and other uh, voters, including in, in suburban areas, including in Maricopa County, that are are starting to lean Democrat and, and starting to vote in in, in in very high numbers, and so. Arizona is key, and Latinos will be key in Arizona. But I don't want to uh, forget about the fast-growing Latino populations in places like Pennsylvania, which has over a quarter million Puerto Rican voters or uh, Dominican voters outside of Philadelphia or the 100,000 
voters in Wisconsin that can make all the difference or in Michigan. So we are going to be uh, competing very aggressively for all of those voters. Um, in terms of Latino agenda, I'll start by saying Latinos, uh, um, we ha will have our best friend in the White House uh, ever when Joe Biden is elected. And what the agenda looks like is it doesn't just mean immigration. I want to be very clear about that. Immigration is a top issue for Latinos, but it's one of a, uh, of a number of really critical issues. Right now, if you ask uh, uh, a Latino, hey, what, what's the most important issue to you? What are the top three? I think you would get something like COVID, 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 because right now Latino community is, 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 is terribly and adversely impacted by the failure of this administration to deal with the crisis. That means high unemployment numbers. One in five Latinos are unemployed. It means a draining of Latino wealth. It means our health care is at risk. Uh, uh, among other things. So uh, a, a Biden agenda will be rebuilding the middle class, making sure Latinos are a key part of it. It means jobs. It means good paying jobs. Um, but it also means addressing climate change. Latinos more than any demographic want to see action to curb climate change. It means uh, uh, reducing gun violence and, and, and taking on the NRA as the vice president has done not once but twice in one. Uh, it means dealing with a host of other issues, including immigration. And then, so the la I'll end on this, but as he said, on day one, the very first thing he's going to do, in addition to rolling back all of the horrible Trump administration executive actions dealing with migration, including those that led to babies being ripped from their mother's arms at the border, um, it means undoing all of that and introducing immigration reform on day one. I think that's a fantastic outline and, and really appreciate that context. And I think it's going to be really interesting for our audience members to, to hear about uh, not only the plans that you have already rolled out, but what the agenda looks like moving forward. What's up, everybody? We're going to take a quick break from the podcast and let you know that Millennial Politics is now on Spotify, Stitcher, the Google App Store, and iTunes, basically anywhere you get your podcast. If you like the show and like hearing from previous guests, such as Mayor Pete Buttigieg, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley, and many more, make sure you subscribe, give us five stars, and leave a review. High ratings and good reviews are some of the best ways people can find us. And if you want to see us continue doing this work, we hope you'll consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. I, I want to transition now to something that's a little more top of mind, a little more topical, um, the, the tragic protests and riots following uh, the murder of George Floyd. Um, Donald Trump's strategy seems to be just pour more fuel on a fire um, even though we're already boiling over, how would a Joe Biden administration handle this moment differently if he were president right now? Yeah. Uh, first, um, you know, the country is hurting. Uh, the, the, the family uh, is hurting. Um, um, our, our sincere condolences to the family. Um, it, it's just a, a really horrible situation. And as you said, um, uh, there are protests around the country right now uh, as a result of this um, uh, this horrible uh, violence, this death, and as 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 you saw, uh, the difference and the contrast between Joe Biden and Donald Trump couldn't be more clear here. Um, uh, Donald Trump uh, is tweeting uh, about calling in the National Guard 
uh, and, and, and shooting uh, civilians, um, a really uh, uh, outrageous uh, uh, tweet that, uh, uh, as is typical of Donald Trump, serves only to divide our country and, and, and stoke hatred. Whereas Joe Biden um, uh, has said today, already this morning, enough. Um, he's not going to lift the president's tweet. He's not going to give him that amplification. Uh, but he is calling for 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 um, for a recognition of the pain uh, that so many are feeling. Um, and he'll be speaking about these events later today. It'll be a, a very important uh, uh, conversation that Joe Biden will have, really about uh, addressing these root causes uh, of this of this uh, hideous uh, violence against um, African Americans. Um, and 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 he's going to say uh, that we can allow this crisis, you know, do, to to exas exacerbate the, the disparities that that plague our nation, and that we have uh, to deal with it head on. And that means um, recognizing um, the original sin of this country and, and and how that that has lingered and and permeates uh, so many areas of our society. It means dealing with the systemic racism. It means dealing with the systems that allow for uh, bad cops uh, uh, to, to, to do this. And so it also will require uh, some hard conversations about accountability uh, and justice. And so uh, uh, what you'll see is a, is a Joe Biden, who's a uniter, uh, who shows empathy to the family uh, and, and works to bring the country together in a moment of crisis like this. So I think a lot of the people who talk about why Joe Biden would be such a good president is um, they use his compassion as a reason for why he would be so fit for this moment. Can you tell us about some of your personal experiences with Joe Biden and why you think he is the right nominee to meet this moment against Trump? Yeah. Um, well, I'll share something with you that I actually haven't really talked about. Um, but but it, I think it, it exemplifies for me. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time with him over the course of this campaign, and I've got to see him up close. Uh, just what a caring person he is. And um, um, you know, my, my dad passed in November and, uh, I had just gotten on a flight with the vice president. We were flying, um, from the East coast to California for a rally in Los Angeles. Right as we took off, I got the news about uh, my, my dad and shared that, um, on the plane with, with, uh, with our traveling chief of staff, the vice president, and mind you, we had just taken off, jumped out of his seat ran up to where I was sitting, uh, asked that the plane be turned around and was right there by my side uh, in a, such a caring way, right? And and, and has um, really kind of maintained that, that close connection, checking. Uh, and it's just not, it's not just me. Uh, he, he does it with all of the folks around him, the staff. Uh, it's, a, it's a unique sort of caring that you would be surprised that someone who's running for president has a million things going on uh, is able to to do that and to, and to show that caring and uh, and 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 we see that time and time again. I remember he was giving a, a major uh, speech um, uh, during the primary, and as as he left the stage, I was walking with him behind the stage, and he, to the corner of eye, he saw a group of of, of, of workers uh, on their on their lunch break, and, he, and 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 instead of walking to the location we were supposed to. To walk to to meet with some very uh, high-level uh, folks, uh, uh, he, he he instead wanted to detour and to sit with them and to thank them personally for for all that they do every day. He, he's that he's just that kind of person. Uh, he, he's a you know 
they, they call him middle class Joe, which I think some folks mean that in a derogatory way. He takes it as a compliment because he connects with folks, he connects with workers, he connects with with, with everybody, and, and especially in times of crisis and especially in times of need, like like I had when my dad died. He's just right there with you. Thank you for for sharing that, and I'm really sorry to hear the news about your dad. Um, you know, uh, loss is hard, and especially at this point where we are in this country. Um, to see the statistics of COVID, especially over a hundred thousand Americans have passed. And not only is that number just astounding, but there are, you know, two X, three X, five X, everyone around those 100,000 people are affected by their loss. Um, and we had Fred Guttenberg on the podcast, who's the father of Jamie Guttenberg, who yeah. uh, was killed in the Parkland shooting and, and his story of Joe Biden, uh, comforting him and approaching him and giving him guidance, dealing with trauma, uh, sounds very similar to the compassion that you experienced as well. So um, thank you for sharing that. And again, really sorry to hear about your father. Um, we, we have one last question for you. How can people find you? How can they follow your work on the campaign? And if someone did want to get involved with the Joe Biden campaign, how could they do that? Yeah, th- thanks. Um, well, I, I will say, this uh, and it, it's almost cliche now. Every four years, we say this that this is the most important election of our lifetime. But I think um, folks really do understand that the country is on this precipice, uh, and it really is the most important election of our lifetime. Whether it's the climate change as an existential crisis, whether it's what we're seeing with COVID and and and, and the loss of a hundred thousand and growing, whether it's today's uh, um, protests around the country. Uh, um, that there, there just isn't a more important thing that, that, that we can be doing right now than, than, than making sure that, that we win in November. And so I would urge folks to go to JoeBiden.com to sign up. Um, um, and, and, and we need all the help we can get in terms of volunteers. We're, we're growing our team. Um, uh, anything folks can do, uh, talk to your family, your friends, bring others on board. Uh, this is uh, an all-hands-on-deck moment. Awesome. Cristobal, thank you so much for, for coming on. And on a personal note, it was it was wonderful to connect and hear your story. I so appreciate you. Thanks for what you're doing. And uh, we'll see you soon. Awesome. And to our listeners, be sure to follow us on social media at Malin Politics. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Rate us five stars and leave us a review. That's how people find us. And of course, stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks.